Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today I'm going to be talking to Aaron about his epic hurricane bikepacking race performance that went down just a couple of weeks ago. So Aaron, what is the hurricane? Thanks for having me, Jeff. <laughs> so the hurricane is an unofficial bikepacking race. It's put on by Carlos Bernard of Single Track Samurai Productions. And I think the uh, 2017, I think this year was the sixth running of uh, the hurricane. So basically, it's a, it's a route in central Florida. It's a loop. So you're actually permitted to start anywhere along the loop as long as you end up in the same spot, of course. You know, most people are going to start at the Santos Trailhead in Ocala, Florida, which is what I did. So that's the official, unofficial mass start, I guess, if you will. But really, you could go tackle this route any time of year if you wanted to. But the winter is probably going to be your best bet since it's Florida because Florida's hot, humid, and full of bugs in the spring and summer. So it's probably not something you'd want to head down there in June and do, for instance. So that's why the official, unofficial running of it is is done in the winter. This year, the route was around 340 miles, and that seems to get a little bit longer every year. I think you know originally it was called the three, or the Hurricane 300, and now uh, Carlos is just taken to calling it the 300 plus because it seems to grow by like five or ten miles every year. Uh, I think it was like 330 last year, so a little longer this year. Kind of breaks down roughly. There's about a hundred miles of single track. There's a hundred miles of double track and gravel and a hundred ish miles of road. So you get a good mix of, of all surface types. And, um, interesting. Also, you can do the route in either direction. So you can go clockwise or counterclockwise. The vast majority of the people that were riding it this year opted to go counterclockwise. So that way you get to start with a, really long section of single track through uh, Santos. Yeah, I'm glad you cleared that up about the name. I keep wanting to call it the Hurricane 300, but that uh, underestimates it by 15% now. So <laughs> it's pretty substantial. Yeah. Well, and also there are other races in Florida that are actually a lot longer too. So um, there's that uh, Florida Divide race, which goes from north to south in Florida uh, that I believe is like what, 800 miles or something, something like, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the cross Florida individual time trial, which I think you go, uh, you know, across the width of the state and back and that's over 500 miles. So, and these are other events put on by single track samurai production. So by Carlos, he's just, uh, he just likes to put together really long, hard, cool routes. I guess that's, uh, how he likes to ride and, uh, likes to get other other people stoked riding that way. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of times uh, that this is an unofficial official race, uh, which is clearly an oxymoron. So can you explain the concept? I know the hurricane isn't the only race that builds itself this way. So what is that all about? Yeah. A lot of these ultra endurance type events are unofficial races. And basically what that means is there may be some sort of en entry fee. Like there is an entry fee for the hurricane. I think it's like 30 or 40 dollars but there's no there's no sponsors there's no prizes uh you know there's no support out on course or anything like that so it's just a ride simply to do for bragging rights you know i think like the what the 
Continental Divide race is the same way, I believe. You, you know, you just you just show up and and you do it and you do it as fast as you can and if you win then you get you get to brag about how you won for a year but that's about it so it's a kind of more one of the feather in the cap rides than you know going out and winning a tire or getting a medal or something like that yeah and just to be clear too there are rules in this race too so it's it's unofficial but there are official rules in terms of like you're not allowed to get assistance from other people you know if it's not available to everyone else um, like you said, it's an individual time trial, meaning you got to take care of yourself and get yourself from the start to the finish, right? Yeah, and you're not supposed to go more than a hundred feet off the route. That means, you know, like if you can't like cut a section of trail or something like that, you know, you can go off the route and, you know, stay at a hotel or go to Applebee's or whatever, <laughs> but you just have to re enter at the same place that you left. So you have to pick up at the same exact spot. So what made you decide to sign up for the hurricane? What was it about this race that drew you in? Probably just the persistence of my friends that have done it. I've, uh, you know, there's a, a large contingent of backpacking type riders here in Atlanta and, uh, good friends with several, for several of them. And for several years now, you know, they've been telling me how awesome this ride is and how I needed to do it. And honestly, I was pretty dubious about the whole thing you know partly because it's a 340 mile ride so like how much fun could that be <laughs> and secondly because it's in florida it's really easy to hate on florida for a variety of reasons i think you know particularly being in the southeast it's uh we tend to make fun of florida a lot and they catch a lot of flack so yeah so you know and, and it's florida it's flat it's sandy it's hot like Again, like how much fun could that be? So I guess I just, after several years of, you know, friends wearing on me and being like, no, you'd really enjoy it. You'd really enjoy it. It's really cool. The route's awesome. It's beautiful. I was like, all right, I got to check this out for myself. Nice. Yeah. And clearly there are no mountains in Florida. So mountain biking in Florida seems kind of ironic, but yeah, as you found, it was actually pretty awesome. So what did you do to get ready for the race? In terms of physical preparation, not much uh really there's you know i don't know how you really would it's not like you can go on a 300 mile training ride to see how your body's <laughs> going to react here in georgia are, are fortunate enough to be able to ride basically year round and winter is when i tend to do base mile kind of stuff so i stayed on top of my lsd and that's long slow distance not the uh hallucinogen so yeah just a lot of long chill mountain bike rides and longer road rides. Um, I did a handful of road rides in the kind of like 60 to 80 mile range and some a little bit later at night, like I would start after work and, you know, ride till 11 or midnight, something like that, just to, just to kind of give my body an idea of, you know, what, what it was going to be in for. Um, but really a lot of the, a lot of the prep time was spent on, gear, you know, deciding what to bring and, and how to pack it. Yeah. So tell us about your gear. What was your, what bike did you use and how'd you have it set up? So I rode, uh, my Zen hardtail, which I reviewed on, uh, on single tracks last year. So you can go check that review out. It's called the Zen trail. It is still hands down. It's my favorite hardtail ever. Just everything about it is awesome. It fits me really well. The geometry is great has a great ride. It's durable. So all those good things and just a nice, good steel, uh, hardtail. Then I have a full set of frame bags from the bike bag dude out of Australia. 
So that was a, a, a you know a frame bag that goes inside the front triangle. I had a handlebar roll, which is essentially like it's a harness that straps to your handlebar, and then there's a stuff sack that goes inside of that, so you can you know put whatever gear you want up there. And then I had two uh, bike bag. Dude calls them chaff bags, but they're little bags that go on either side of your stem, and you can put you know again whatever you want in there. And then I had a little top two bag. I had a little case for my phone that mounted on the stem, and then I wore a Cascadia hip pack from High Above, which is a company out of Bellingham, Washington, making some really awesome fanny packs. So that was that was my bag setup. Also, I want to send a big thanks to Bobby at Maxis. He sent me some sweet skin wall icons for the trip. I ended up choosing the 2.2 width over the 2.35 just because, you know, knowing that there was going to be a lot of road and a lot of double track, I wanted to kind of help minimize the resistance. How were those in the sand? They're actually, they actually did really well. There were a couple long stretches of sand, not nearly as much as I anticipated though. So, I mean, there was a lot of sand, but like the really loose stuff was kind of uh, minimal. So, yeah, I was able to slowly uh, kind of chug my way through that stuff. They did really well all across the board, honestly. And then after 340 miles, the knobs still look brand new. So kudos to that. So, yeah, you did the race in late February, uh, which... Early February. Oh, early February. And in Florida, that's fine because the weather was warm and dry. So how did that affect what you brought with you? Yeah, we had excellent weather. I think the highs were in the mid to upper 70s during the day and in the upper 40s at night. So I didn't need to bring a ton of extra clothing. So I wore a base layer, I wore a t-shirt style jersey, I wore bibs and then baggy shorts over the top of that. And then for night, I had a, a long sleeve wool jersey, and which I'm a big fan of, of wool. I had some wool knee warmers and I brought a lightweight rain jacket just in case. So the only extra clothing that I brought was an extra pair of gloves and an extra pair of socks. So I did ride all 340 miles in the same chamois. <laughs> nice. All right, so what about tools would you bring? Pretty comprehensive toolkit just because, you know, I hadn't intended to ride with uh, my friends uh, Mark and Paul for the, the whole route, but They've done this before. I had never done it. So I didn't know if I was going to be able to hang with them the whole time. And you don't, I didn't want to be, I wanted to be self-sufficient. So I wanted to be sure I had everything that I needed to, to fix my bike in case I was out there alone. So I brought the basics, you know, I brought a tube, a pump, multi-tool, but I also carried spare bolts, like uh, a spare chain ring bolt, cleat bolts, I brought a spare tubeless valve, chain links, quick link, you know, all that kind of stuff. I would take on a long backcountry ride in the mountains and uh, plus a little bit more. I brought a second tube. I was running tubeless, but you know, if you were to use your tube and then get another flat or tear a sidewall or something, you're going to need, you're going to need another tube. So I brought two tubes with me and a patch kit just to be sure. And I brought a shock pump, which that's probably the one thing I could have left behind. But again, I, you know, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect out of the Florida terrain. So I wanted to Wanted to be sure that I could adjust the air pressure in my fork to uh, to give me the most uh, comfortable ride possible. So that was probably like the heaviest part of my kit. I know it's not a single item, but the tool kit together as one did uh, did account for a good chunk of the weight of my gear. 
What did you do for shelter? Well, I brought a, a tarp for shelter. I brought an inflatable sleeping pad and I brought a sleeping bag, although I decided to ditch it at the last minute to try to save some space and weight. And I thought I could get away with it, with it being uh, you know a little bit warmer at night. So yeah, and all that stuff went in my handlebar roll. So I had all my sleep stuff, you know, the stuff I didn't, I wasn't going to need access to during the day. I kept all that together up front. Nice. What about food and water? What'd you pack with you? So there's a ton of uh, places to stop along the route to get food and water. There's stores and restaurants and, you know, there's water fountains at trailheads and stuff like that. So plenty of options for restocking. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't bring too much with me. I carried two 26 ounce water bottles. One I had, I had to like, uh, use some pipe clamps and mount a, water bottle cage to the downside of to underneath my down tube since I had the frame bag and in there and then I used one of those chaff bags for the other water bottle so I would just swap those two out as needed and in the water bottle I used noon or camelback or a couple and goo actually I think I had all three brands of their little electrolyte tabs and then inside my frame bag I used a uh 70 ounce bladder and then just ran the hose out uh to my handlebars so in all i had so yeah two 26 ounce bottles and then a 70 ounce bladder so and that that turned out to be plenty of water to make it in between the in between the stops i would say you probably could get by with a hundred ounces but that might be a little tight so um, i Definitely didn't regret bringing as much water as I did. And then as far as food, uh, again, you know, there's so many options to restock. I didn't didn't bring too much with me. I basically just brought enough to get through the first 80 miles until the first checkpoint, which was at a uh, at a little deli country store. Nice. And despite living off your bike for several days, you actually brought along a lot of technology, right? What did you have? I did. Well, you know, I wanted to be sure to be able to document the ride for single tracks. So I brought my camera with me and that's actually what I carried in the uh, Cascadia pack. So that was really handy to be able to just spin that around and whip my camera out instead of having to dig through a bag and get to it. I brought for navigation, I used a Garmin Edge 520. So that had the route uploaded onto it. So it's pretty simple. You just follow the line and it beeps at you if you get off course. So you just turn around and get back on and keep going. I brought my iPhone for a backup. I have I got the Gaia GPS app, which is really cool. That was running backup, but it turns out the Garmin did fine for the whole trip, so I didn't even really need that. But, you know, it's better to have a backup than not. Also had lights from CatEye. Obviously, you're going to be riding at night, so I had a 800 lumen and a 1200 lumen self-contained unit and then i had a rear blinky from blackburn and all these are usb rechargeable so i bought a big ass portable battery pack off of uh, amazon before the trip which was another good chunk of weight it was close to a pound but it could charge my phone like nine times over so it uh, had plenty of plenty of juice and I, i pretty much kept my garmin plugged into it the whole time and, you know, I charged my lights, I guess, once off of it. And I used, I don't know, less than half of the battery capacity over the three days. So was definitely happy with that. Probably could have gotten a bit away with a bit smaller battery pack. But again, you know, it was nice to have the extra insurance. Okay. The race started on Saturday 
And so you guys drove down to Florida on Friday, but you ran into a little problem on the way. Tell us what happened. I did. Uh, sorry, Mark. Yeah, so it's about a, I don't know, five, five and a half hour drive, something like that from Atlanta. And we swapped drivers partway through and Mark fell asleep. And anyway, long story short, I ran out of gas. <laughs> and But in my defense, Mark has a much fancier, newer, nicer car than I do. And it's got friggin' screens everywhere. So I didn't see the gas warning light because the gas warning light isn't actually on the gas gauge itself. It's on like another screen, you know, it's anyway. You were too busy watching mountain bike videos on the infotainment system, weren't you? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, I was having fun. He's got a Ford Focus ST, so it's a little fast little hatchback. So I was having too much fun weaving through traffic at like 90 miles an hour is really what it boiled down to. So the trip got off to a kind of interesting start. Um, we ended up, you know, coasting to the side of the road and parked underneath this overpass. And I ran up the concrete embankment and it was just nothing to see but rural Florida. But I pulled out my phone and there's a gas station like a mile down the road. So I ended up walk jogging to down to the gas station and bought a gas can and, and brought it back. So it cost us about an hour, but, um, yeah, as it, it turned out not to be a, didn't turn out to be an omen for the trip, so that's good. Yes, very good indeed. So how did the first day of racing go? Uh, the first day went great. Mark did crash like in the first couple hundred yards of trail. <laughs> He's got, he runs bar ends and a lot of endurance racers, or, you know, for these type of events, will run a, a bar end just to give you more hand positions. Well, right out of the gate, there's some vines hanging down on the side of the trail, and it just <laughs> grabbed Mark's bars, and he went over the bars. So that was, uh, but he was all right. Definitely not how he wanted to start the race, but uh, all his packs and everything stayed on, didn't just like oh yeah blow them all off the no, bike. No, that's good. totally fine. Yeah, so that's another reminder to you know zip it down tight and make sure everything's strapped and, and not flapping around. Yeah, so the first day went great. Uh, like I said, you know, we started, we went counterclockwise. So we started with that long stretch of single track through Santos, which was just a blast. I mean, it's really, really pedally. Again, not much in the way of hills. There was one trail, I think the Canal Diggings Trail that we did, that had a couple little grunts on it, but nothing major. So yeah, you start with a huge section of single track, and then there was some bike path, and then a long, long sandy bit, and then we got to the first checkpoint, which is around 80 miles in. Got there around, I guess, 2.45 or something like that in the afternoon, and that was actually the longest I had ridden my mountain bike in one go. So, yeah, it felt, felt good all day long. We ended up riding through the evening, and we got to Devil's Creek, which is this really notorious crossing. Like most years, it's it's just this section of swamp and you're just kind of, you know, making your way through it and you get to the other side and, you know, since you're crossing this pretty big body of water, there's no real trail. So a lot of times you end up, you know, wandering around trying to pick up the trail once you get across the water. And if you go counterclockwise, you're going to hit this thing at dark pretty much no matter what. So it's kind of, it, I can see how it would be really creepy. When we got there this year, it, it's been a really dry winter for Florida. So it, there was like a puddle of water that we had to cross. So that was awesome. But yeah, I can see getting there at night and this water's like dark and black and there's alligators. And I mean, it can be waist deep. It can be chest deep. And 
you know, you're, you're crossing like, I don't know, 50 yard or longer stretch of water like that with your bike above your head at night, I'd, that would have sucked. But <laughs> luckily this year, that wasn't the case. So we made it through there and then you go into the green swamp, which was just this like never ending sandy road. And it was getting pretty late at that, at that point. I was just wanted it to end and it finally did. And we got to, uh, this bike path and not too long after that, we decided to stop for the night. So we rode from 8 a.m. until about 2 a.m. and we covered 155 miles that first day. So big day. Awesome. That was a huge first day. So tell us about the second day. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I decided to leave my sleeping bag in the car, as did Mark, and it turned out to be a terrible decision. <laughs> yeah. Uh, high 40s is still cold when it, when you're just laying on the ground in bike clothes, pretty much. And it wasn't overbearingly humid, but there was a little bit of humidity there, so that made it feel even colder at night. So Mark and I basically didn't get any sleep on Saturday night, so... Woke up Sunday morning not feeling super great, not real stoked about the day ahead, but, you know, we tried to make the best of it. We got started around, I don't know, 8 o'clock or so in the morning, and Sunday was essentially a giant road ride. So a lot of the other little pieces of pavement were interspersed throughout the route, but this was like a long chunk of pavement. And it'd be a beautiful road ride on a road bike, but on a mountain bike that weighs 50 pounds, it was, it was kind of rough. This was around Claremont, Florida, which I guess they call the Highlands. And <laughs> there's actually hills, like real legit hills here, which was totally surprising to me, um, that there were hills. And yeah, it was, again, it was warm, the, which was nice, but, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, so the sun was just beating down on us. There was a headwind pretty much all day long. So I was got got pretty worked. I was really tired, you know, and since you're spending so much time on the pavement, you're not standing up, you're not moving around a lot. It's not like being on the trail where you have a much more dynamic position on the bike. It was very static. So by the time we reached the checkpoint in Opopka, Florida, I was just done. I was like, I'd, I couldn't go any further. My butt was totally numb. My hands were totally numb. I was sunburned. Even though I'd been good about reapplying sunscreen all day long, still, I mean, when you're out, you know, you're out riding from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the sun, you're going to get burned. So I was just worked over and we were at the checkpoint there and Paul was trying to egg us on and keep us going and meanwhile mark was having some really bad cramping issues with his leg and his achilles so he was in his calf he was just he wasn't having a good day i wasn't having a good day paul was trying to keep us motivated so cheers to him for that you know he kept saying like oh we'll just just 40 more miles and we'll we'll reach the next checkpoint and then we can camp but again i wasn't really looking forward to camping because i didn't have a sleeping bag so i knew a i couldn't ride 40 more miles especially when most of that was going to be single track and it was going to be dark so it'd be slow going and then B, once we did stop, I wasn't going to be able to sleep because I didn't have a sleeping bag. So I ended up getting a hotel room and Mark ended up uh, deciding to to stay and rest as well. So Paul ended up soldiering on alone, which definitely bummed. I wanted to be able to complete it with all three of us, but 
I just I knew that I needed to stop. So yeah, we got we stayed in some shitty motel, and uh, that was it was a two person room, but. Yeah, there was like one set of towels when we got in there, and someone had taken all the light bulbs out of the lamps. Like, it's not that they were burned out. There was just like no light bulbs in the lamps. So, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. But, yeah, we uh, ordered some pizza, watched the Super Bowl, and or watched part of the Super Bowl, and I ended up falling asleep. And I slept like a baby and woke up refreshed and ready to go on Monday morning. So... You know, we took our time getting ready on Monday, but, um, uh, you know, once we started riding, we got after it for the rest of the route. And we actually ended up running into some of our friends from Atlanta who were doing the race as well. So we rode with them. And then, you know, we all started getting, looking around and kind of getting competitive. So picked up the pace and Mark and I just kind of drilled it for the last 80 miles of the route and we're picking off people all the way to the end. So that's always, it's always a good motivator when you, you know, you can see you have little rabbits to chase and you see them up ahead and you catch them <laughs> kind of spurs you on to keep turning the screws. So ended up finishing Monday night around, I'm not sure exactly. I think it was around seven or so. It just, just after it had gotten dark. So in all, I think there's 59 hours elapsed and 30 hours of ride time. So. You know, our goal was to do it in under 48 hours elapsed, but yeah, I just, I unfortunately couldn't make that happen. Yeah. So what surprised you most about the race or, or really about mountain biking in Florida? I was really surprised with how fun the trails were, honestly. The, the whole route was amazing. There's a couple stretches of, of shitty pavement where there's a lot of traffic, and that was kind of nerve-wracking when you have, you're riding on the shoulder and cars are going by you at 50, 60, 70 miles an hour. But that was really, you know, those sections were few and far between, but the everything else was just incredible. I mean, even a lot of the, the road riding that we did around Claremont was just gorgeous. You know, you're going through these rolling hills and there's these citrus groves and yeah, you know, riding around Lake Opopka, we saw, saw alligators, saw osprey, saw bald eagle, just all kinds of wildlife is just, just gorgeous. And, and again, like the trails themselves, the trails in, at Santos were a ton of fun. Um, the trails in, I want to say Wakiwa Springs State Park were awesome. We rode those on the last day and that just gave me a huge boost riding that trail. They were, they were just wide open, fast, a little bit sandy, but it was almost like you created your own berms because, you know, your tires would dig in just a little bit and, you know, so you get a little bit of slipping, but then they'd hook up. So that was a ton of fun. Single track at Croom which we rode on. We got there late on the first day. Uh, Croom was really good as well. That actually had some, you know, for Florida riding, it had some technical bits and uh, some, kind of some punchy climbs, kind of similar to some of the in-town trails we have around here, just with a little bit more sand on them. So, yeah, I, I would just say definitely most surprised by by how fun it actually was. Yeah, those trails sound really excellent and sounds like, too, is is a really beautiful ride. So what was your favorite part of the whole experience? Apart from just how beautiful rural Florida was, meeting and riding with all these random people were really cool. You know, there are all types of people that do this route. There are some people that are out there trying to do it as fast as possible. You know, there's people riding fat bikes. There's people taking their time and you know, taking five days to do the route and camping 
and you know just having a good old time doing it like party style and uh yeah it was so it was just really cool to to meet these people and and ride with them because you know sometimes you ride with a person in a race and you might ride with them for just a few seconds before you pass them or you may ride for a few minutes together but you know after a couple hours the race is over so on something like this you know you there were hours stretches where we would ride with with people and so you get to talk to them and because you know you're 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 pushing the pace but it's not like you're drilling so you can have a conversation so yeah it was really cool to to meet some folks from from all over that were out here or down there doing that and doing the hurricane and yeah just to meet someone and then ride with them for like a six hour stretch was cool yeah that sounds like a great part of the experience so what would you do differently next time and where will there be a next time first off yeah i think there will be a next time i have some nerve damage in my hands from from the route just from having my hands squished all day long but otherwise you know i I felt great physically my legs felt strong throughout the whole thing i think that's just in large part due to the overall lack of uh, elevation gain there. I would definitely bring a sleeping bag with me. Uh, I would not try to be slick and leave that behind again. That was a really stupid mistake that I paid for. You know, really, I think if I had brought my sleeping bag with me, I think probably would have been able to do it in the 48 hours that uh, we had initially set as our goal. And I'd also like to try out uh, a hammock for sleeping slash shelter. I've never never done that, but it, it seems appealing and it seems like a really lightweight shelter option. So that's something I want to look into. And a couple other things I would change about my setup. Like I mentioned, I had had some, you know, my four of my fingers are still numb, uh, like almost a month later, just to give you an idea. So I would, I would try out a different handlebar. I just used I just use my mountain bike, you know, it has a flat bar on it with some lock on grips and probably could have used either some cushier grips or maybe try out something like the Jones bar, uh, which has a little, offers you a little more hand positions and offers you a little bit more upright position. So I'd like to try something like that for next time just to uh, kind of alleviate some of the, the issues I had with my hands going numb. Good tips. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely jealous and wishing that I was able to do that trip with you. If you want to see more from Aaron's trip, see some photos and read a little bit more of the details about his hurricane race, you can check it out at Single Tracks. Just search for hurricane. That's all we have this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace. <laughs>